Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip-hop. I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm-to-table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch-guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on thebeastradio.com. Broken Pencil Logic. You stay classy, Internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Suave, it's not often we get a uh, a wordsmith of higher caliber than yourself on this show, but it'd be safe to say that I think we have one tonight. Would you agree? I am of agreement. I, I do feel as though, you know, I am in rarefied air, so I get to, to breathe the air of a writer who is more accomplished than I. <laughs> it's completely tongue in cheek. <laughs> I mean, it, it, do, are we talking bars? Are we talking stanzas? Are we talking paragraphs? I mean, it's, deba- it's debatable in this case. Uh, <laughs> UIL format essays? <laughs> I mean, in LA, if you want to take it back, uh, New York Times best selling author, wrestling historian. <laughs> And all around good guy, pencil pusher now. He's been initiated into the gang. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of fucking gang shit. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Keith Elliott Greenberg. His latest This is book, a first for us. It's a first, yeah. His first his, his latest novel. Oh, I'm sorry, not it's, it's not a novel. novel. It's it is a, novel. a uh, it's nonfiction. Nonfiction, thank you, sir. I, pre- I appreciate the uh, the correction on that. Yes. Uh, follow the buzzers. Pro wrestling in the age of COVID nineteen, which will be coming out this fall. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Would nice. So Ava- available for pre order at Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or you could get it directly from the publisher ECW Press. I know that. Um, friend of mine who just wrote another wrestling book uh amazon ran out of copies but uh you know but they, they replenished them pretty quickly we like to hear that that means the uh the, the 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 revenue stream is constant when you have to get a re-up we like to hear that either that or they had such little confidence in his book that they only had three or four in stock <laughs> <laughs> that that I seriously doubt because the one thing that we have seen in a paradigm shift that was the pandemic of 2020 is the fact that people need to learn how to do things completely different and not just work from a nine to five perspective, i.e. working from home, the increase in bandwidth, technology, things of that nature. We saw the most notable paradigm shift in professional wrestling that we have seen probably in this lifetime in the advent of fans going home and being confined to their chairs while being broadcast across the world onto a screen inside of one arena. And that's what this, my next book is about. Uh, It actually, two points that you bring up here about people ordering things online and being broadcast onto the Thunderdome those are two of the crucial things, uh, the changes that occurred during the uh, era of COVID-19, because as we know, when the rest of the world shut down, professional wrestling found a way to continue. 
And remarkably, WWE ended up having a record year and people were actually ordering merchandise when they weren't leaving their houses. They were still ordering WWE merchandise and I guess wearing it at home because they were bored with the wardrobes they had. And um, of course, um, you know, the, uh, then there was the Thunderdome, which really was a stroke of genius because how do you replicate that fan experience when you have no fans? Well, have the fans participate anyway. Although, as you may recall, there were some fans who tried to be a little subversive at first. Right. <laughs> you get a lot, you got a lot of those people where we refer to as like open the cheap seats and we say the, the lower the face value of the ticket, the more risque the conversations get. <laughs> and, a, and a few of those people slipped through the cracks in the early days of Thunderdome and they made things kind of interesting. Yeah, although, um, you know, WWE claimed those fans were now barred from WWE events for life. I'm not sure how you enforce that. Eight billion people in the world and you want to single those people out. I want to see that happen yeah. <laughs> in real time. Yeah. I remember one point, and this is in the book, uh, somebody held up a Kenny Omega picture. You know, Kenny Omega, of course, was the champion at the time in rival AEW. And Kenny Omega actually responded to it and said, I just was having a little fun, guys. I didn't think anyone would notice. So he kind of went with the spirit of it. And in some ways, it was the melding of all the different wrestling promotions together because here was Kenny Omega tipping his hat to the Thunderdome. We had, I actually think if they had let more people take that route, it would have been a bigger thing. Because now you're scanning the crowd to see who's in it. And you might have an Easter egg here or there. Thunderdome had a lot more uh, opportunity to it that wasn't... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't... Um, capitalized on? Yeah, it, it was not capitalized on at all. But there's several... There's a lot, a lot more opportunities they could have went into. I think there was... Yeah. Um, I think there were some a couple of wrestler sightings from other organizations that popped up in, in Thunderdome. We also had uh, what was it the the t shirts from uh, a Bullet Club t shirts were very popular during that. Um, someone was I think someone was watching like like a DVR of AEW during a broadcast of SmackDown once from the Thunder Thunderdome. So like all of these things, like I mean, you have to be aware that you're not going to be able to control what goes on inside the home. So I guess that's what started the really cycling not. of fans throughout. And I, I, I even remember uh, somebody sending me a photo of a kid who fell asleep while watching. <laughs> and it didn't mean he was bored with the product. It meant that he was a young kid and he probably fell asleep that time all the time. It's past his bedtime. Yeah. Another thing that we saw outside the Thunderdome was a lot of, uh, I guess, peer accountability through the uh, speaking out movement during COVID-19. Uh, you, you saw a lot of organizations shut their doors temporarily, some forever, some ran by wrestlers, but in the advent of the, this pandemic shutdown, you had people that were speaking out. And I don't know, and, and I'm not trying to minimize this at all. People, I don't know if they were bored 
or if they decided that this was the opportune time because they everybody was listening to social media, everyone was listening to the internet. I, I'm not sure if, um, you know, because I cover that in the books uh, and nice. I speak to a number of people, including a number of female wrestlers who told me that ev everybody who'd ever harassed them ended up getting called out in some way. Now that doesn't mean there were long-term repercussions for those people. Um, I think, you know, it started with uh, David Starr's ex-girlfriend who posted uh, stuff about him being an abusive boyfriend and it spiraled from there. And, you know, I, I made an, you know, I had to deliberate about how was I going to cover the speaking out movement. Um, I, I made the decision not to name any of the females, even if they'd been public, even if um, there were questions about the legitimacy of, of their claims. It's almost like when I, I because of my full time job away from wrestling, I cover true crime. And the Special Victims Unit doesn't name uh, victims or purported victims either. So we're going on the assumption that these women are telling the truth. And we don't want people to see their names and be able to find them and attack them for making it up. Because since, you know, the beginning of, you know, not just pro wrestling, but entertainment and sports, any woman who said that she was abused, you know, by any of the talent was was said to be, quote, making it up. So I didn't mention any of the women's names and I was discreet about which male wrestlers were mentioned. And I confined that to men who defended themselves publicly or provided their side of the story. So there were some people whose names were mentioned very fleetingly and then within days they were forgotten about. And you know, there are guys trying to make a living and I don't want to put something in print two years after people have forgotten about this incident appearing on social media that's going to jeopardize their bookings. Uh, so I can find it to, you know, David Starr, um, Joey Ryan. I mentioned uh, Riddle's, uh, the accusations against Riddle and how that was resolved and how the lawsuit was thrown out. But I never mentioned the woman's name. And um, I just tried to uh, keep it as balanced as I could and consider the consequences for all the parties involved. How, how I guess, twisted is it, or even uh, ironic as it would be, that you would find Joey Ryan actually getting uh, employment through a company like Disneyland and working rides around children and without no one doing their due diligence, especially with as active people were on the Internet during, you know, the last two years. No one took their time to do their due diligence to Google. Like, well, they didn't know who he was. He used his at his birth name. Right. Right. But just as easy. And, and I mean, and I think he was dismissed fairly quickly. And, yes. you know, I I go over Joey Ryan's defense of him, you know, the, the his defense. It's just there were an awful lot of people he was defending himself against. Man. And I have to admit, on a personal level, I felt a bit of sadness because my book prior to this, and this came out in 2020, was Too Sweet 
inside the indie wrestling revolution. And I'd run into Joey Ryan a few times and had interviewed him. And I remember being in Southern California and Joey Ryan being very helpful with directing me to people. So it's always a little bit distressing when someone has extended themselves to you and then you hear allegations like this against them. Uh, you know, again, you know, the, the latest with Joey Ryan, he's never been convicted of any crime. But at the same time, the vast numbers of people who accused him really make you wonder that there has to be some smoke there. And, you know, a mix like should he if he hasn't been convicted of anything, should he be unemployable? And then at the same time, if those allegations are true, certainly a big corporation like Disney shouldn't be hiring him to be around young women in an amusement park. So uh, it's confusing. Fortunately, my book was already put to bed by the time that particular incident occurred. So it's something I'll be discussing on broadcasts like this rather than uh, putting it in print. I totally understand. Well, I mean, that's the responsible journalistic thing to do. And the last thing you want to be, especially with as many words as you have on print, is libelous. I mean, and I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, um, you know, and the, the other thing is, thing is print. When you um, put something in, in book form, it's not like putting something on the Internet. I mean, you can find it again. But, um, you know, the, the Internet is just comes at you so fast. And with print, you can walk into like there are books I wrote 20 years ago that are still in bookstores and they're certainly still in libraries. So somebody 20, 25 years from now can open up this book and all those allegations are right there. And it's something that has to be taken into consideration. And, you know, I've co-authored a number of books and at times the people I've worked with have said to me, oh, you can put that in there. Like the people I had to beef with, you know, they we've, we've talked it out, they, they know about it. But when that comes out in print, then that beef starts all over again. And as a co-author, it's something you have to be very conscious of, particularly if you're trying to properly represent the, the, the subject of the book. Man, and I'm looking at your at your history and your catalog. I mean, just just with things that have your name on it, I'm seeing was is it 63 books? Yes, it may be probably less than that. They're probably hardcover and uh, you know so soft cover editions of some of those books. Okay, I, I would say it's probably in the vicinity of 40. But to be fair. Um, some of those are children's books, uh, the uh, nonfiction children's books, and those are not very long. And, you know, I've been a professional writer uh, since age 19, so I've been at this for 44 years. So you would hope that I would, uh, you know, have developed a bit of a catalog by now. And I mean, a lot of people, even professional writers starting as young as, young as you did, don't have the, the book catalog as, you know, under their belt. And so that's an accomplishment within itself. When, like when did you when did you I would like to think that you go back to the old territory days in WWF. When did you know that you were a fan of professional wrestling and how did you start writing about professional wrestling? Well, you know, I, I, I was a fan as long as I can remember, because my 
family were fans. My grandparents were fans. My mother was a fan. Um, and uh, so I was always watching it. It was always on. And as a kid, those were the days when everything was kayfabe. And if you were a wrestling fan, there were other kids, not just other kids, but teachers who thought this is ludicrous that you would watch this stuff and think it's real. This is all fake. And if you think it's real, you're an idiot, which would mean <laughs> my mother was an idiot and my grandparents were idiots. So it was quite offensive to me. So I always felt very protective of the business, which made it very natural to go into the business because I felt those feelings for the business. And I felt a certain affection and loyalty for the business. Like the business is what gave me life in many ways as a fan, gave me joy. And these were the people who manufactured that joy to me. And, you know, it was a privilege and still is a privilege to be around them when they're risking their bodies. And all I'm doing is watching and writing about it. So when I started out, I was trying to, and I, I would write for anybody. I was trying to just get my name out there. And sometimes, you know, editors would say to me, well, you're a young kid, you know, wh what do you have to offer? Like, what have you done? What do you know about? Like, what do you know about that all these other far more experienced writers don't know about? And I'd say, well, I certainly know more about professional wrestling than any of them. And, uh, you know, that's when I started writing about wrestling as a freelancer. And it was 1985 at WrestleMania 1. I recently posted about this on social media. I, uh, Edward Rashidi, who was the editor of the WWF magazine at the time, was sitting next to me. I was covering it for Us Weekly. And we were talking about the different types of writing we did. And at the time, believe it or not, there were not a lot of wrestling fans who were also professional writers. There were wrestling magazine writers, but there were not people who had uh, traction with so-called legitimate publications who knew that much about professional wrestling. And Vince McMahon was expanding. And Ed Rashidi said, why don't you start writing for us? And so they put me on a monthly retainer and it really did uh, change my life. I made friends for life and I'm still making friends with people because of that one conversation. And I mean, one of the uh, one of the seminal pieces that I saw that uh, that was in your catalog had to do with someone that was a big part of your childhood as a, as a fan of professional wrestling in the New York metro area, and that's Classy Fre Classy Freddie Blassie with Listen. That's my favorite wrestler. Listen, you I mean, pencil neck geeks. <laughs> yeah, listen, you pencil neck geeks. Freddie Blassie was my favorite wrestler because we, um, not only did he come, and look, I love Bruno San Martino. Every, every, everybody in New York City, by and large, love Bruno San Martino because he was the working class hero and professional wrestling was largely a working class audience. But Freddie Blassie just had a, like this rough charisma to him. And he was unintentionally funny sometimes. And um, in New York, when he came and he'd wrestle Bruno periodically, he'd be a vicious villain. And that was fascinating too, because he would bite. And he seemed to go beyond 
rule breaker for the time he was hardcore and then in new york city we would get professional wrestling from los angeles from the olympic auditorium on the spanish network and at a certain point freddie blassie became a hero to the mexican fans they would call him el rubio de oro the um, the, the the golden blonde and so i was watching him being cheered as he wrestled primarily John Tolis and you know, Gordman and Goliath and the other villain Killer Kowalski came out there I remember and so um th- when I started writing about professional wrestling he was one of the people I sought out because he was you know an idol of mine and he was just as colorful in real life as he was on television and I had the good fortune of growing close to him and when the decision was made to to uh, publish his autobiography he was at the end of his life and he had a lot to say before it ended and i was um honored to be picked to tell his story with him i remember the last time i saw him which was about a week before he passed was on monday night raw with his uh, with his lovely wife at the time and uh it, like, you, you didn't expect to see him in that capacity he still looked like he was ready to you know to hit somebody over the head with the cane i think he even cocked the cane back okay the cane back on him uh while the, he was the, Dudley, the dudley's brought him there out. yeah there it is <laughs> and in fact he was on that raw to promote the book we did together when they brought him out he was in a wheelchair and uh they flashed the cover of the book listen you pencil neck geeks behind him when he was brought out and he was getting he was quite confused at that point because this was three weeks after the book came out no he died three weeks after the book came out so i guess this was two weeks or so after the book came out was his final appearance and if you recall devon dudley when they get the tables devon would stick his tongue out and when they announced freddie was coming to the ring Freddie stuck his tongue out and he said to me the next day I got confused I thought that was what I was supposed to be doing I forgot Devon does it so that's where he was he was a bit scrambled at that point. you realize he was dead a week later right and then um when he was being driven home because he was brought down to Philadelphia he was in the limo with his wife and at a certain point he laid down and went to sleep and i guess his wife went into the other row and was chatting with the driver and when he woke up he looked around he wasn't sure where he was and he screamed at the driver you left miyako back at the arena go back to philadelphia and get her he didn't realize his wife was sitting right in front of him yeah, that's uh, that that's rough, man. I had a uh, got a, got a long history in my family with uh, you know dementia and Alzheimer's, and it is a uh, it, it's a debilitating uh, disease. And you know, hopefully, you know, we can get some some headway on that. But man, it's like you hate to see people go like that. But you know, definitely when when it's their time and they've had left a legacy behind, like Freddie Blassie and, and many others have in the past. Uh, like, there's nothing you can do but smile at at, at the accomplishments. Yes, there, and, and one of the uh, sad things was at his wake, uh, his cousin from St. Louis was there. 
And Freddie had, was estranged from two of his three sons. Uh, the youngest son and Freddie had made peace because Freddie was largely an absentee father and he had been married a number of times. And you, uh, it's no secret about, you know, what a ladies man he was. <laughs> and the, the uh, oldest son, I believe, had read the book and had told relatives, I'm ready to make peace with my father now. And oh, wow. uh, then Freddie died a few days later. So they never did make peace. Uh, I see uh, you were saying um, Freddie Blassie was your favorite wrestler. Um, with you having so many different pieces that you've written about wrestling, do you have a favorite body of work? And if it's not just one, what's your top three? Um, that's a good, well, I'd like to say my favorite body of work would now include my current books. Uh, you know, uh, to those who are interested in indie wrestling and the revolution that led to the formation of AEW, the book that came out in 2020 in the midst of COVID, Too Sweet Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution would be up there. Um, I would say my current book, which will be out in October, Follow the Buzzards, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19, um, I would put rank that high. And then the Blassie book is very high. And then I would also mention the book I co-wrote with uh, Superstar Billy Graham, uh, which, you know, it's a shame because Superstar Vince McMahon says in the book when I interviewed him that had his father not been in charge, Superstar Billy Graham would have been the first Hulk Hogan. And mm. Hulk Hogan himself told me that he freely stole from superstar Billy Graham's gimmick, but it was just a little bit too early. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, but there, you know, there's a lot I've worked on over the years. And let me, if since we're, uh, you know, putting in plugs for things, I've been writing <laughs> for Inside the Ropes magazine uh, based in the UK. I write a monthly column there and sometimes, you know, articles. Uh, I did an article recently on diversity in professional wrestling and how this was in this was after big swole the comments between big swole and tony khan went back and forth and it's like okay let's analyze this like traditionally how have people of color been depicted in professional wrestling you know not not well um but a guy like kamala the ugandan giant he was very proud of what he'd done at his at his wake his spear was there his gimmick mask was you know african tribal mask was there his loincloth was there so the family was quite proud of it but now you think about it it's a demeaning character to play a cannibal you know yep. and slap <laughs> his stomach and jump up and down and get scared and pop out his eyes it was like something out of a minstrel show so uh, mm. that's a story i've written for inside the ropes magazine a few months back and uh Absolutely. they've given me a very nice forum and uh i would say that look for 22 years i was on retainer for the wwf related wwe magazines but if all the if that entire archive uh was destroyed and of course that would never happen i hope that would never happen and all I had 
as my legacy is what I've done for Inside the Ropes for the last year and a half, I'd say, okay, I'm proud of this. If that's how people know me, good enough. That type of journalism has been lost because, like, when you had the territories, you had uh, PWI and the wrestler, you know, what the, the, as they call them, the Aftermax. And then you had Inside Wrestling, which was a little bit more of a, uh, if, if you had Burger King and, um, and McDonald's, that would definitely be the subway to the wrestling mm-hmm. mags of the 80s. And, right way to frame it, yeah. And, and the crazy part about those magazines were, like, even though uh, the Wrestler and PWI were essentially the same magazine with a different person on the cover, you got different flavor from the same writers. And then, but on but Inside Wrestling gave you an even deeper perspective because they didn't have the same um, national uh, mainstream appeal that the wrestler or, or like that or the aftermags would have, and therefore you would get a little bit more of a of a hungry approach to how they consume their knowledge and distribute it back to the fan in a way that would be you know episodic and where you would want to go buy the next issue or even subscribe via via the uh you know subscription services or whatnot so that yeah. said you that what you're talking about with uh inside was it inside the ropes yes what you're talking about what you write what you wrote inside the ropes reminds me of that 80s period when the magazines were booming even before the uh the, you know wwf and wcw magazines which are easily ripoffs of you know the after mags how do you think that like that type that that style of writing plays into not just your writings now but the the as they i hate to call it dirt sheets but like the informationals that are out here it all everything is an extension of everything else nothing exists in isolation and you know as i say in my upcoming book you know the COVID era was a time when wrestling could no longer solely be escapism because the outside world came in and professional wrestlers were responding to it. So, you know, you had empty arenas and you couldn't deny those were empty arenas. And even AEW tried to surround the ring with, you know, wrestlers. And I I liked it. It was like a studio atmosphere. And at a certain point in NXT, they had talent behind plexiglass but they were still behind plexiglass and some of them were masked so everything has an impact on everything it rubs against one of the reasons i love living in new york city is even if you're living in a neighborhood that appears to be very ethnically isolated you're getting on the subway and you're rubbing against people, literally bumping into people from China and from Honduras and from Ghana. And that gets into your brain. It has an impact on you. And you see those people and something of that culture gets transferred over to you. Uh, hold on, a siren's going by. Um, <laughs> we love and, the ambiance. Uh, <laughs> the ambiance. But, um, you know, the same thing like the dirt sheets, you can't say like I worked for WWF magazine and, you know, there was a lot of condemnation of the so-called dirt sheets, but everyone read the dirt sheets. Every single person, you know, I, I, I wrote with every single photographer knew it was in the dirt sheets, you know, and this is before the Internet. And then the Internet came in 
And you look at the sources for the dirt, the so-called dirt sheets and the internet were the wrestlers themselves. And sometimes the wrestlers just had to air their grievances in a safe forum, anonymously. And then, you know, I remember at a certain point, we had the WWF magazine and we had Raw magazine. And Raw magazine was supposed to be Raw. And in Raw magazine, we could break kayfabe. And then later on, we dispensed of the WWE magazine and was Raw and SmackDown magazines. And the SmackDown magazine was supposed to be more traditional. You were just supposed to adhere to storylines. Again, it was the same group of writers, but writing stylistically differently. And, you know, if you're a professional writer, you should be able to adapt. And for those folks who have, well, everyone I wrote with has since left, I think they came out of that experience better writers and more flexible, more versatile writers. And whatever they're writing about, they're doing a good job because of some of those experiences they had. That's super cool. Uh, going back to your comments about Kamala and um, what the gimmick end up, ends up uh, sort of uh, projecting out to the audience current day. Uh, I 100% think there's a there's a book there for diversity in, in professional wrestling and the experiences of people of color and African Americans, 100%. Um, yeah. Of all the people you've encountered and sat down and interviewed with for, for articles and pieces and books, um, who are some of the more unique or outgoing characters that away f- away from the ring, away from wrestling, are just very unique and entertaining? Well, I mean, lots of guys, by, by virtue of what they do for a living, lots of guys are unique and entertaining. <laughs> this is, is, think- Keith, I'm sorry, Keith, this, this is loaded. <laughs> I, 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 I know why he asked that question when he when he asked it. It is it's so loaded, but we oh, definitely... Because there have been people who've come on the show and told like these very embarrassing stories. No, they just, uh, we, we had one in particular just shit the bed, just. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get, I'm not gonna reveal anything embarrassing about anyone. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wrote a book with Ric Flair. Right. There's there few personalities as big as Ric Flair. Right. Uh, but you, you know, look, I used to, I went to Iraq with WWE in 2004 and spent a lot of time talking to Mick Foley during that tour. Mm. And a lot of what we spoke about, this was a period when the majority of the locker room tended to skew conservative and was in favor of the war. And I remember I was talking to a guy who was a seminary student, a Lutheran seminary student, and he had joined the Army Reserve to pay for this going to the seminary. And here he was in a war and this was not a hard guy. And Mick Foley and I spent a lot of time discussing those types of experiences. And yes, a lot of the soldiers were very impressive at their ability to do their jobs, accomplish their jobs, learn quickly. Um, They were physically impressive, but was the war justified? That was very satisfying, like, you know, having someone who could, you know, break down every angle with me about it. I remember us having those conversations very quietly because we really didn't want to antagonize all the other talent. And 
the soldiers. You're certainly not going to question the validity of the war when these guys have to get up and fight the next day. Right. So, you know, we had to keep it a little quiet. Um, Absolutely. In terms of other personalities, Brett Hitman Hart is a very deep, thoughtful guy who um, had someone just sneezed in the other room. Not sure if you guys picked that up. Hey, we we, uh, we take all we take all the noise. We <laughs> we got little ones that come in. So <laughs> we, we, yeah, we welcome all the ambiance, all the ambiance. But um, you know, Brett Hitman Hart had wanted to go to film school, and I'm thoroughly convinced that. Had the wrestling business not beckoned to him, that's what he would have done. And he's a great artist, and I think he would have been a great filmmaker. Um, you know, I mean, Randy Macho Man Savage, who people have mixed feelings about, uh, Randy Savage was very kind to me, and he was very kind to uh, Ed Rusciutti, who was the, uh, the editor of the WWF magazine. Uh, at one point, Ed Rusciutti's son was a teenager going through his difficulties and randy savage suddenly showed up at the house and took the kid to work out and gave him some kind of pep talk so uh you know those are the kinds of characters you meet in terms of a guy being immensely entertaining both in the ring and outside of it i would um say terry funk who may be the greatest of all time good and yeah Man. that seems like that's absolutely true I've seen more more of my people that that, that I, I talk I talk to and touch on a regular basis uh, with more especially you know if there's health issues. See Terry Funk more than any other wrestler that in there in an airport um, on a regular basis. It was uh, I, I just it, it's a testament because some people just want they don't want to be um, they they want to be as a touch untouchable away from the screen away from the ring. But Terry Funk, I, I always hear that name and always see pictures of him, uh, you know, from let's say probably from about uh, 10 years or, or so back. It would be more Terry Funk than anybody else. And so I, that's yeah. a testament to what you were saying, too. Yeah, gotcha. And, and that's what we meant more so people who made an impression on you, not necessarily for any any divulging of any um, private things that are shared, or just, you know, private time, but more so um, what participants in the sport made a an impression on you while speaking to them away from you know the cameras rolling yeah i will say i do want to just stay on the issue of diversity i know this is you know largely a, an audience that listens to hip-hop and i i that that came into play obviously during the COVID era i'm putting in a plug for my new book again um <laughs> because you had the george floyd case occur mm -hmm. right in the middle of the COVID era and maybe that was an instance, I even say it in the book, of people being so locked down that they were ready to break, and this is what broke them. And if you recall, the outpouring of anger was not, it stretched beyond racial lines. There were a lot of people who were not black, who were just tired of what they felt was this oppression that had, you know, that had reached its expiration date decades ago and that found its way into professional wrestling too you had wrestlers coming to the ring with blm patches and you had wrestlers wearing armbands with the names of you know shooting victims of, of the police officers and you had a guy like mustafa ali who you know is of indian and pakistani ancestry 
but it also had been a police officer, providing some, some balance about what it's like in the street for both people of color and for police officers and very much taking a Black Lives Matter position with respect to all those decent police officers who don't go out there to slaughter every day. And so that's all mentioned in the book too. And again, you, we, you couldn't keep the world out. It was no longer escapism. All of speaking out, George Floyd, Trump running for president, Brexit in the UK, this all had its, you know, a ripple effect on professional wrestling during the COVID year. Man, I, I, we, it's the, the timing of you coming on the show and the title of your book, because last week we did an episode and about half of the episode was talking about the entire dichotomy timeline of the fiend it's himself not uh, Bray Wyatt character but specifically the fiend character which spanned for pretty much quarantine it was October of 2019 and expired April of 2021 so the entire time uh, for you know the fans being out of the arena we saw a fiend until they came back into the arena and during that time frame like you say, you named all of these things. We, we saw the fiend come and go. And the one thing that hasn't changed, and you would think that from from era of human element from the past up until now that people will actually change this habit, but people don't know when to stop their fingers be, from hitting send. It's easy to hit the delete button, but it seems easier to hit send before you even read what you're saying as evidenced by some of the things that wrestlers were saying uh and not just wrestlers but because we're talking about wrestling i'm putting it out there uh as regarding the george floyd case regarding uh uh, 45 regarding yeah yes it it was it it was a revelation and again this is was reflected in the wider society of especially not being a person of color of who your friends and family really are. And for many of us, it was quite disconcerting. Now, you know, my sister ended up like having fallings out with numerous relatives who defriended her during that era. I, at the time, was working at NBC News and I was told, do not put your political opinions on social media, which initially I thought was restrictive but now in retrospect because i ended up covering some political stories i was able to interview people in the trump administration who wouldn't go on facebook and say oh this guy's our enemy look what he just wrote so i was able to uh you know walk into interviews without having the stain on me but yes there were some shocking things that people revealed about themselves. And again, this was in the book. There were a lot of people with time on their hands, including professional wrestlers who, you know, was sometimes taping multiple shows at the time. And the rest of the time were sitting at home, watching the news and tweeting. And <laughs> some wrestlers had some pretty big uh, explosive exchanges on uh, on um, 
Twitter that would rival whatever you'd see on on Raw or SmackDown or Dynamite. It was the it, it was some of the most real life face turns and some of the most real life heel turns you will yeah. ever see. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's some of the last stuff that that would make a general audience feel. It's like what emotion have we not tapped into yet on TV? Like during the Attitude Era, Austin was like every. He he embodied everyone wanting to you know flip the bird flip the boss the bird, right. but at this point like what is left that galvanizes us but also makes everyone feel strongly on an individual level. Right, right. I think that certainly what I noticed during the, the this era, and this is why I'm fortunate that I never wanted to become a nostalgia when it came to wrestling. I never wanted to say, oh, there goes Keith. He wrote about professional wrestling for WWE in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, he wrote Ric Flair's book in uh, 2004. You know, I want to be known for being someone who's current. And I've met people over the years who, you know, have played a role in the industry and they idealize a certain period. And we all do. We all idealize the time and the characters we saw when we were 11 or 12 years old. But I've met people who are locked into that and don't think anything now matches up to what they saw then. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's it's healthy to look at, um, you know, the state of the industry uh, through modern eyes and see the things that excite us. And, you know, talk about breaking kayfabe. There are a lot of people going on social media and breaking kayfabe during that that COVID era. It's uh, I'm, I, and you're talking about you know not oh. being pigeonholed. Like I'm going right. through I'm going through your 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 bodies of work here, man. Like you cover everything, like from pop culture, professional wrestling, politics, um, music, um, and true. Like it's you, you, there's just a lot going on, and the one thing that I would I wouldn't say pigeonhole, I wouldn't say uh, classic. You're like it's timeless. These are things that are going to be reads for years and decades to come, and recycled over long after you and I are both gone. Mm. Like, I, like I, 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 later I, rather than sooner. <laughs> right, that part. Hit the bell for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it caught me off guard, but yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, of all the things that you've written about thus far, what is or what are some of the things you want to write about in the near future? Now, obviously, we're waiting on October so we can re-follow the buzzards, but um, what what do you have on your bucket list of, of topics to cover as far as professional wrestling is concerned? You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And um, I don't have the next book in my head yet. Um, when I finished Too Sweet Inside the Indie Revolution, uh, Indie Wrestling Revolution, um, a, I basically end that with the, tape, the first taping of Dynamite. I'm at a GCW show in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and it's Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, Marco Stunt, and Joey Janela are doing their last indie show before they all get in a car and drive down to DC for the inaugural AEW taping. And a new era is about to begin. So 
the sequel was natural. It's like, okay, I want to write a sequel. I thought it'd be a year later. You know, what, what was that first year like? What was the year 2020 like? And then COVID happened. And so instead of it just being a book on the continuation of the indie wrestling revolution, it turned into a book on wrestling in the age of COVID-19. Yes, there's a lot going on now. There's a lot in flux. Um, I don't know how things are going to land. And so I'm standing back and observing. I, you know, I have my monthly column for uh, Inside the Ropes. I'll be at SummerSlam. That weekend, I'll be at Ric Flair's final match. I'll be at the GCW show. I'll be at some of the, uh, you know, live podcasts and I'll, I'll cover that. And I'm, I'm just looking around to see what that next story is that I want to sink my teeth into. Do I want to go back and write another biography? My friend Brian Solomon just wrote that excellent book on the, the sheet, uh, um, Blood and Fire. Um, you know, where he uncovers, and this is a guy who was totally kayfabe, who lived kayfabe, and <laughs> he goes back in time and even he found records, he found old newspaper articles and really told the, the real life story of the mysterious Ed Fahad, the original Sheik. Uh, do I want to do someone else's biography? Do I want to co-write an autobiography? Or do I again want to write about some trend in professional wrestling and i think i just have to wait a couple of months and see what happens in professional wrestling over the next few months man you, sounds we, like sound strategy we can talk man I, oh, golly I, I, I there's so much more i want to ask you and I, and I and i don't want to take this time for granted but what i will do is uh definitely tell you that you know i'm strong on me I'm, I'm i'm putting you in an arm bar you're coming back on the show we're going to talk really want to come back. <laughs> and uh well, I mean, if, if i met you guys in a bar and we had this conversation i'd hope you'd strong arm me and put me in an arm bar and say let's get together and keep talking I, and hanging i want you to understand this in the most sincerity if you come to the area or we're anywhere near where you are there will be a camera crew there ready for the uh, for that moment we're going to Good. talk. <laughs> and and so you're talking about uh, D Dallas Forward. That's right? correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, and oh, so well, and I'll ask you one more question since we're talking about uh, indie wrestling and the revolution during COVID nineteen. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Pluto and the uh, the wrestling. Uh, the, I don't I don't know what it's called. I guess it's the wrestling channel that's on Pluto. But they they took. Uh, wrestling watching to a whole new level to an audience of upwards of 200 million people and i probably a, a very minute fraction of that probably i would say one percent of one percent even access that amount of programming or uh, that they that they have is 24 7 indie wrestling and the crazy thing is there's a lot of um Mainstream stars that were popular during that time frame, such as Jacob Fatu, such as uh, Shane Strickland, um, they even had some throwbacks. They had, they showed uh, a, a anthology of Jerry Lawler and, and uh, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage from Memphis in the in the territory in, in Tennessee and Kentucky. And here in Texas, there's probably about eight or nine indie organizations in North Texas and uh, Southern Oklahoma alone that are running and it's more akin to like i said that 80s night or uh, uh, late 80s uh, early 80s late 70s territory style 
Do we see some of these more independent companies come to possibly like a shared cable situation? Is is it's, it, it's entirely possible? Look, you know, again, this is the forbidden door is a part of this book. We mm, just okay. saw a dual New Japan AEW show. I mean, look, uh, WCW also had a dual pay-per-view with New Japan, but it wasn't marketed properly to the American fan. That's uh, yes. The New Japan talent were not depicted as important, as equals. Uh, you know, you've I, I, I just watched Triple Mania and with Triple A and, you know, uh, of course, the Lucha Bros were down there and uh, Sammy Guevara wrestled down there and on other shows, uh, you know, Kenny Omega has wrestled there. The Young Bucks were there. So, there, you know, there is a spillover internationally and nationally. You know, I go to GCW a lot. There's always AEW guys there. PWG in LA gets the best guys from all over the world. So will there be a shared cable? I, I'm not a business person. Um, always the danger in that is at what point does it become mainstream like AEW isn't an indie certainly but there is an indie spirit there because their guys are still appearing on the indies and or an indie guy will be brought in even if in a losing effort and uh so i do think that this uh indie wrestling revolution continues to evolve and we'll see where, where it all goes Right on, man. Uh, the book is Follow the Buzzers, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19, Keith Elliott Greenberg. I'm looking forward to the, its release, looking even more forward to meeting you in person. Suave, you got anything before we get up out of here? I, I just 100% uh, want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, for sharing with us. We appreciate everything you've done. Can't, read, can't wait to read the new book. Uh, can't wait to get started getting caught up on all the other other uh, pieces that you've released and we just appreciate you uh, taking time to spend with us today thank you Suave thank you Wood and I can't wait to talk to you guys again because I know I will I absolutely can't stand when we meet people like this when they have product that's actually worthy and viable because now I have, to, I have to spend my hard earned dollars to feed this budget and now I have to spend the time to actually to, to take, it, take in the knowledge that will be presented in front of me Keith Elliott Greenberg once again thank you very much we appreciate you and uh, we'll talk again very, very soon. We just murdered an hour, man. We, man, I, I, I was like nothing. <laughs> the easiest hour of all time. One half of the Pretty Boy Killers. Mm. Who, who, you, you, you don't understand what I just said. We have one half of the Pretty Boy Killers. Out in the streets, they call it murder. Former ROH. World Television Champion, former ROH World Six Man Tag Team Champion, current VIP Pro World Heavyweight Champion. Shouts out Lou Gotti, and I I want to heal him simply because he beat Gang. He Lou beat Gatti. he he beat Gang JTG for the belt, but he's here with us right now, ladies and gentlemen, live and direct, Cleveland Zone, Shane Taylor. Shane, what's happening, man? What's good, boy? Thank y'all for having me. I appreciate that. We appreciate you for jumping on here, man. 
I didn't realize. Absolutely. I didn't realize unless uh, I got some bad information here. Did you actually start in 2014 as a professional or was, is that your ROH debut? That was my ROH debut. I started in 2007. Gotcha. Uh, okay. 2007, started in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, under Ray Road, J-Rock. Give it up one time. Um, and yeah, man. And then in 2014, 2015, started having dark matches, tryout matches. Uh, and then after each of those, I fixed. I, I, I chose one thing to fix that they told me to fix and each time i came back i had fixed whatever their issue was with me uh and then by you know 2015 2016 uh they saw me there with keith said kevin kelly looked at us both and dressed in suits and was like oh i like this <laughs> and the rest is sort of kind of history yeah my my first memories of uh pbk was uh was watching roh tv um and the suits gave me uh, Curtis Hughes, uh, Big Bubba Rogers vibes. And from your early days of doing the the more fleet footed style, which for one, you are a larger than average guy to be doing the, the to have the moveset that you have. You and Keith Lee both. And you went from the from a faster fleet footed style to now. A more hard nose ground and pound. You still, you still get up. You still get up, but you have arguably the roughest forearm shiver in the business right now. We we cringed. We saw you at VIP in 2021, and we cringed from the front row. You laying it in. How how was that transition for you in terms of the 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 uh, the morphing of the styles from 2014 you know, to up to now? I mean, it's always important, whether it's it's wrestling or, or combat sports or anything, to evolve your style as you go. You know, uh, I noticed that, you know, when I tried to do do too much or, or be too flashy, that opened up a lot of, you know, things for my opponents to counter. This way, with the style that I've adapted, it's minimalistic. You know what I mean? And I know in this sport, in this day and age, people people want to you know do all the all have all the moves right everybody wants to have all the moves and for me life has always been simpler when you just punch people in the mouth right <laughs> period it's, amen amen it's, to it's that. all all the dancing is cool i'm not here i'm not here to box with you dog i'm just gonna punch you in the face and we'll see what happens um Funny we'll see how many times you want to deal with that and that's kind of what i base my style around right I can still do everything, and I I use I use my agility and athleticism more to counter things as opposed to using it for offense now. Um, but my offense is very much uh, plant my feet in the ground, pop my hips, and throw this right and throw this right hand, and we're gonna see how many times you can deal with that. Um, essentially, what I like to do is throw that shot the way Lesnar does his plexes, right? We're gonna see just how much you really want this we're gonna see and uh, you add that into everything else but e e every time you think you have an opening bow you gotta feel that every time you think you got some space bow you gotta feel that you know what i mean and just stay in people's faces stay in people's chest uh give people no room to breathe no room to think you know what i mean just just have that constant pressure you know what i mean 
Um, it's a very, very alone, close, snug style. Yeah. It, it is, it is insane. Absolutely. Like uh, I don't. People can take notes from the smaller things, and you you describing this like if someone were to close their eyes and paint up, and you're painting this picture for them, they mm-hmm. they they still would have no idea how close you are to people and how impactful mm-hmm. these blows are unless they've actually seen it firsthand. Wham! I mean that's 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 what I like to do, man. Like I I believe wrestling was best when it was presented as combat as, as as being simulated combat and <laughs> i believe that it should still be presented that way I, i'm not saying there's not you know room for anybody's style or what anybody want, wants to do i'm just talking about the the promotion aspect of it how like if you were if, if you were to watch a, a, a mma fight and 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 the and the pitch that they gave you was hey this is a great guy. He's also fighting this guy, who's a great guy. Come watch it. You'd be like, uh, nah. probably not. <laughs> I'm good. You know what I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure they're both good at what they do, but eh. But if you see someone like you've got this guy who's just knocked out his last ten opponents versus this guy who's just submitted his last five opponents, right? And you get them together, and there's conflict, and there's drama, and there's like. You know they're talking and they're doing all this stuff. You're like, oh shit, okay. Well, like I don't know who they are, but I definitely want to see them fight. Like, okay, well, what's what's going on? You, you start learning about them. You start you're invested, right? Yeah. And that to me, that is what that is what we're able to do with pro wrestling. Like it seems like every other sport has learned how to do what we do better than us. You know what I mean? Um, Surprise. It is what it is, but that's yeah. That's, so that's how I like to present myself. That's how I like to present matches, um, and really just tell that that story of, of the battle of the wills. There were two. What I've been saying on the show for months on end. I like when wrestlers fight, and this is the <laughs> mantra of re- liking wrestlers that fight. I was, mm-hmm. I was, uh, oh, so I gotta get drunk. Yeah, I, I was, I was just thinking like uh, two of your biggest tests. As a performer, as a competitor, as an athlete, came from mm. two of two of the people that you respect the most. One and Keith Lee, uh, and you you had to be you had to be, you had to dig deep into the independent archives to find to find those battles. But then also more recently, you completely tra- changed the person, the man, and the wrestler that Kenny King was at Final Battle last year. Um, what like walk walk me through those processes between because like, you know you and Keith Lee like we. There's, I, I'm gonna go somewhere else with that question with Keith Lee, but like, let's talk about like when you guys were at Evolve and and, uh, and and he quote unquote turned his back on you, or you turned your back on him, or you guys basically just went at it for a blood feud before you parted ways. And it's it's seeming that all signs are pointing back to you guys coming back coming back together here very soon. We we can hope, but also Kenny King too, because that was a uh, that that was a war of attrition between you two at uh, that final battle. So like, walk walk me through what your mindset was going into those because you just war just warriors well the the funny thing about that is uh the thing with me me and keith was supposed to turn into a feud but never got the chance to because he got signed ah. uh, so but what it was we had actually just defended uh the titles that we had we had just defended them and he was going to announce make that big announcement as he was about to i hit him in the jaw um 
and 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 that's that's something that I had to do not because Keith is not my guy, not because I don't love that man like a brother. I had I needed to send a message, <laughs> and the message need needed to be sent as loud as possible. And when you do that, you need to pick the biggest target possible. Um, and at that time, that was him. We had been teaming. We had been doing all these things. All the buzz was go going crazy. And when you listen to what I said, you know, it's it's all these overseas trips, all the UK trips, all the Ireland trips, all, all the all the buzzes. Keith, 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 I go, did y'all forget I'm standing right here? Did y'all forget that every single step he's taken, I've been right here by his side. What the issue that I had was not with Keith. It was with everybody else. It was, hey, I understand. Keith is three pointers. He is alley-oops. He is dunks. He is highlight reel after highlight reel. I understand why you would like that. I understand why that's captivating why that's inspiring why that's why what what that is why you want to bring him to to these places let me explain to you what i am i am i formation four yards a carry <laughs> up the middle is it pretty no is it effective hell yeah i win the damn game big facts basketball <laughs> I am defense and mid-range shots. I am I am the fundamentals. I am everything that they tell you that allows everything else to be. You don't get to have the alley-oops if you don't play defense and do all the things that like it all works together, right? So you can't expect one half of the equation without the other half. You can't under you can't underutilize or undervalue the other half because you think this half is more exciting. You see what I'm saying? And so I wanted the opportunity to prove that because nobody knows Keith better than I do. Nobody knows guys like Ray Rowe better than I do, right? I know when we step across that ring that he's looking into his, he's looking into the eyes of his equal. Man. And it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was a point that I wanted to be able to show the world that, you know, in real time. Um, so, uh, and as far as Kenny King, um, you're talking about a guy who I've gone on record as saying is, I think is the most under uh, underrated performer of the last 20 years. Um, and, and someone asked me about him today and I compared him to Ziggler, right? He's someone who is so good and makes what he does look so effortless that it appears as though he's not trying or it appears as though he's not but, but because you see it so you see such a high level so often you've become used to it right, right? it's become it's become you know commonplace uh, and expected exactly right it's so you're like oh you know it's just no what he does is still incredibly difficult to do, and very few people on this planet have the ability to do it. You've just seen him do it for so long and so well that it's become commonplace, and it shouldn't be. Um, fi fi final battle was proving was about a few things. It was about each, each of us proving something to Ring of Honor. 
It was about each of us proving something to professional wrestling. It was about each of us proving something to each other and then proving it to ourselves. What a lot of people don't understand is that, and, and maybe they they do, but they don't know why. You don't get a lot of black wrestlers able to tell black stories Man. in professional wrestling. Man. <laughs> what, what they just witnessed and what they just saw, they've been following, right? Was for the past two years, they've seen a two-year story between myself and, and Kenny King that started with me losing the TV title to Dragon Lee. You fast forward, or, or and just to give some backstory, I get to Ring of Honor, find, find myself by myself, join the rebellion, start learning from Kenny King, Caprice Coleman, Rhett Titus. Learn lessons from them, fast forward, that has to end. So I'm back on my own. Still receiving those lessons, but now carving my own path. I follow Kenny King's path, right? TV champion, solo star, coming into my own. Create my own group. STP. <laughs> you, are, you are the you are the CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions in the namesake, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So STP is not only my vision, but a blend of all the lessons and all the things that I learned during my time with Keith, with the rebellion, and taking those talks and taking that, those values, taking those beliefs now and turning them into and bringing them to fruition. Right. Essentially, what STP could be is the evolution of what the rebellion was supposed to be. I feel as though the rebellion was probably two years ahead of its time, because if the rebellion would have hit now with everything that's going on, you can't tell me we wouldn't be the biggest group in wrestling. Right. So and you can't tell me right now that STP is not arguably the, the one of the biggest groups in wrestling, right? So that like it only proves my point. And then you get to a point to where now you get some, something that we're all too familiar with especially in, in black culture. You see somebody who's starting to shine. Now all of a sudden the person that was shining the person that was getting all the love, all the praise, all the accolades. Now they're seeing it go to somebody else. What does that breed? That breeds envy, contempt. That breeds yep. jealousy. That breeds contempt. That breeds what we've all what we all see that that ayo. Hey, there's only room for one. That 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 crab in a barrel. That that you know, like you, you've got to somehow dim their light because only one of us can shine, right? Those things that we're all taught to be able to take that and, and be able to turn that into a television story and, and see Kenny King, see his little brother now transcend the TV title and compete for the Ring of Honor world title, a title that he never got to win. So now little, little brother is attempting to become greater than he is. Right? Another chapter in the book. Another chapter in the book. And how he deals with that, right? How he prevents that from happening, 
because he wants himself. He wants he he wants to still be that guy, right? And then we go on that journey of me trying to get revenge on him for doing that, right? Ultimately, that culminating at final battle. But this is where the beauty of the story gets brought in because that's simply from my perspective the beautiful part of the story is when you look at it from kenny's perspective and even though he's the guy that people hate he wanted to be the person that people hated because he wanted to be the catalyst for my growth going forward Mm. kenny king has been someone who has seen every single world champion in ring of honor he's seen them all (laughs) wow he knows (laughs) that only one of us was allowed to be there and he also knows why they were allowed to be there then here i come someone who thinks the way he does walks the way he does talks the way he does believes damn near everything that he does has the attitude, the ability, the mindset, the drive to break down every single door that was closed on him. Except now I've sort of stopped my progression, not because, you know, I'm not as focused, but because I'm more focused on bringing up people around me through the rest of the doors that I've already knocked down. And Kenny sees there's a few more doors left. What he doesn't want is for me to waste the opportunity and the potential that I have to knock down the rest of them. Mm -hmm. So what he wanted to do was remind me, hey, it's good that you've done this. It's fantastic that you brought everybody with you. You still have business to handle. You're getting this opportunity, but you're not ready yet. And you're not ready yet because your mind isn't ready yet. You need to be being world champion is not a team accolade. It is an individual accolade. You are more worried about team right now than individual. And if you step into this ring with Roosh, with this team mindset and not this individual mindset, you won't get it done. And you only got this opportunity because the fans put you here management didn't put you here they don't want you here you only have one shot to do this and you're going to waste it because you're not ready so (laughs) he takes it upon it right he takes it upon himself to essentially give me an out right not that I asked for it, not that I wanted it. If I lose, I lose, that's on me. But now there's this, now there's this this thing where it's like, well, he never really got his fair shot. And now what, what Kenny has done is go, okay. And people that know me well know that when you piss me off, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, you're gonna have to deal with me pissed off, but you but they know I'm gonna move mountains now because I'm I'm mad. Right. Um, Keith Keith Lee told me once, he's like, bro, whether you realize it or not, you're Vegeta. Right. If people if there's DBZ fans, he's like, you don't (laughs) operate unless you've got someone that you're pissed at or 
you're chasing like that's uh, I, I don't know why that is but that's how you improve you need to you need someone to chase you need there to be a target right and so kenny said if you don't have a target i'll be the target and that and so now <laughs> my focus everything that i need to improve and get to where i need to be he is now embodied right and who else would do that for you but someone that loves and cares about you and wants you to be better who's willing to take those shots to go through hell to make sure you're better iron sharpens iron diamond sharpens diamond like any of the cliches absolutely absolutely and then so we go through that we go through final battle all the lead up to that all the all the jumpings all the attacks all the words all that there with the same goal at mind. Fine. I don't care if you hate me. You're going to have to. You are going to have to do whatever it is to find whatever it is. Bring that out of you because only that guy is going to be able to climb this mountain. And nothing short of that is going to work. Right? We go out there and final battle, he understands that he is he, he has brought out the best version of myself. And he's going to bring the best version of himself. And if he wins, then I wasn't the guy that he thought I was. If I do win, then okay, I'm ready to be that guy. But he has to take that L. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you've got you've got all these things playing out. And ultimately with that and the salute at the end and the hug, that's us in our own way telling fans telling our culture specifically something that i preach all all the time there is enough for everyone yes indeed there is room (laughs) at the top for everyone in order to be the man you do not have to cut your brothers down at the knees you don't that is something that other people have told you that is something other people have put into your head you do not need to do that no other groups do that when you think about how the world works, when you think about group economics, when you think about building up communities, they do it together. The way the dollar circulates stays with them. The way things move, all of these things, it, it, it you build up the community, right? And we were able to be able to showcase why that is so important and tell all of these stories within a a year and a half essentially two year time frame now i would be i i would challenge any anybody in professional wrestling any fan tell me a time where you saw a story like that play out on tv in, in pro wrestling now and typically with with uh with african americans specifically you you're not going to mm-hmm. see that for that length of time and mm-hmm. So there's so many so many jewels you drop as far as cooperative economics and the bringing people up and keeping people up with you as opposed to leveling people at the knees and dropping them down. While this mm-hmm. is going on, Shane Taylor Promotions is on the uptick, which is mm-hmm. you as a CEO and the captain, of course. You also mm-hmm. have some great talents in uh, in Khan, uh, Moses, Ron Hunt, O'Shea Edwards. Um mm-hmm. 
those guys have been getting more shine for Shane Taylor and Shane Taylor promotions away from ROH, especially here in, in the Texas in the Texas market for the independent scene. Talk about mm-hmm. those guys. Like how how important are those guys to the movement, and more so, how important is it for you to show the, uh, their ability to rise to the next level? It, it's paramount. It, it's absolutely everything, right? If this was a football team, like bro, if I'm if I'm the quarterback, Ron is the offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? Like he's he, he's putting the game plan together. He's he's he, we're strategizing. We're doing everything we have to do. O'Shea is the left tackle, man. I'm I'm gonna make. There's nothing I have to worry about coming from that side of the field because I know he's got me right. And whoever it is coming that way is getting put on their ass. I got no doubts about that. You know what I mean? And Khan and Moses are that one-two punch. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, it's it's they're 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 gonna make every catch. They're they're gonna break tackles. They're gonna score. They're gonna get yardage. They're gonna do every single thing that they need to do to make sure that not only the team wins, but they look damn impressive while they do it. And they do to see their growth and maturation from I from when I saw them at the dojo, watching their confidence grow on every promo, watching their performance get, get better, watching the chemistry get better each and every single time they got out the ring. You know what I mean? It was the thing of beauty, you know? And I sat there and I smile because we're just getting started. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're, we're just... People were just starting to see us hit our stride, you know, and uh, it, it that's what makes this group just so, so damn impressive. And the fact that I, I can lend my name to them to be able to give them a higher platform to jump from is just icing on the cake. Yeah, right? they don't they but, don't they don't need it, but it makes it better. No. Exactly. Like no, they don't. They they are they are four stars all on their own. You know what I mean? But if I can, but if my name can prop them up just a little bit more, then hell yeah, that's it. That's that's what it's all about. Um, and being able to see them shine and dominate and and impress every single person that they run into does my heart good because I remember a time where. You know, people said that they didn't see it in them or, or they or they couldn't find a place for them. And I'm like, man, if you can't find a place for them, you're blind. You know what I mean? So I, I said, I, I see a place for them. I see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> let, let, let me do it. You know what I mean? And and here we are. So um, obviously you outside in these streets, you get into it. And and you do a lot of traveling uh, in a group and a lot of traveling solo. What's the vibe, especially because it's it's obviously obvious that you're a person who thinks, you know, mm-hmm. it's very cerebral. So what's the vibe like musically when you're traveling with the group and and when you're traveling solo? The vibe when we're traveling as, as a group and solo are kind of the same, right? Okay. Like everybody's sort of just. Like when when we're all together, man, it's 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 that team it's that team atmosphere. We're laughing, we're joking, we're talking shit. You know what I mean? We're we're making fun of Ron's shoes or fuck. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 just like it would be in the fucking hood. You know what I mean? Like just chilling with your boys, just laughing, joking, cutting up. Once it's time to get to business, then it changes, right? right? Then it's strategy. Then it's how do we make the most of this? How does this 
you know, do we get the most impact out of this? And what I try, try to do my way of leading is I will make a suggestion. By no means do I ever feel like my ideas are always the best ones, but that's why we're all here, right? I may not have the best idea. And there's a lot of times that Ron or Moses or Khan or O'Shea will come up with something that I didn't even think of. And I was like, oh shit, well, let's just do that then, right? <laughs> and we go with the collective best idea. That's what's made everything work so far. That's That's going to be the strategy going forward. You know, and then I have the final say of everything. But if it's a good idea, I'm not about to shoot it down just because it wasn't mine. You right. know what I mean? That's not what <laughs> leaders do. You know what I mean? If this makes us the most money and that and that was your idea, boom, that's what we're we're doing. And you're going to get more because it was your idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how this should work. You know what I mean? So um, that's that that's just the way we do it. But once it's time to lock in. I think for me, it's a lot of DMX. Ooh. It's a lot of Russ. Okay. Um, just the way he talks about, you know, just just, just business and 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 evolving himself. Uh, yeah, this album is crazy, that, Man, that, bro. That, it, bro, <laughs> that blew a budget. Like I've never I've never seen a guy who I was for the most part unfamiliar with blow that kind right. of a budget on a second project out of nowhere like i'm the <laughs> and here's and here's the crazy thing about it right for some people it's out of nowhere but for the people who've been following him he's done like 11 albums right, right? wow he's, he's he's been doing he, he's been touring the world essentially by himself with just him and his team like he's been doing all these things under the radar just building this empire right and then now now that he's starting to hit with these mainstream artists, now that he's starting to break into this realm, it's he's got, he's got this arsenal of stuff just waiting. So he's literally like hitting the ground running. And it's it's incredible to just hear the things that he talks about and watch and and like and, and use that blueprint to go, yeah, this is what I want to do for my team in wrestling. Like we don't need openers. We don't need anybody sharing the stage with us because y'all didn't help us build this damn stage we built this shit <laughs> you know what i mean so if i'm if i'm gonna be anywhere if i'm gonna have anybody with me it's gonna be them because they were the ones here you know what i mean it's not often um, like like you can't look at this like I'm, I'm gonna say these names again of course you're, you're kicking it off right uh o'shea right. edwards ron uh, ron hunt moses and Khan. you can't yeah. you can't put a a, a a group of guys in one faction anywhere and, I, and I'm saying this right now, anywhere, and have everybody be able to hold their own on a independent or a uh, or a corporate card, and still have everybody be able to shine when you only have room for three or four more matches. It's not possible right now unless you form a new faction. Bro, it's no. I fully agree with you that you have five legitimate main eventers who can all walk talk and do every single thing you need we all just happen to be in the same group and like then, that's like no nobody's touching us right now and that that's the scary part for a lot of people because there's essentially there's a lot of people out there right now eating really good and the second you let that door open and we walk in we're taking all your food, bro. Like, <laughs> we're, yes, we're taking it all. Like, 
you're gonna have to by the time you realize we're ahead of you and you have to step your game up there's no chance you catch us there's no chance <laughs> and 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 that's that's a scary thing for a lot of people because they're they are used to being on top they are used to being the favorites they are used to being the ones that everybody you know calls the best problem is they know they're not and we know they're not put us in a situation where we have to prove that we've got no problem with it on our end right right on but they're not ready to really have those problems yet but yeah uh <laughs> so dmx russ and a lot of jay-z now too uh okay. it, it is of my belief that jay-z is wasted on the young there's lessons that you learn as you get older as you become a man as you become a father as you try to conduct business as you evolve who you are as a person those things aren't really conveyed when you're younger right because your your mind is just in a different place now listening to it and listening to him talk about his failures his mistakes you know the the things that he wished that he could do over talking about you know changing who he is to 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 to, to make sure he lives up to the expectations he has of himself as a husband and a father, as a businessman, right? Getting back to lyrics meaning something in hip hop. To me, that is what speak that that is what's going to define his greatness is, is the ability to sell the same, do the same, have the same impact, but also evolve and continue to be you know, uh, continue to be so, so much more than just an artist to be, um, to, to not have to ride the wave of bullshit. You know what I mean? Like you, he could still do his thing his way, right. Instead of sounding or being like anybody else or fitting this, you know, this genre of whatever it is, you know, um, his, I mean, and his, I, his I, way is booking I'm, Super Bowl talent and and making people forget that the Black Eyed Peas were the first hip hop group to ever lace a uh, Super Bowl stage at halftime. <laughs> like that's that's I mean, the Jay Z way, <laughs> bro. Like, and if and, and if you can go out and make people forget about other people, job well that done. Only, that, that only speaks to your greatness, right? right? If you can go out out there, and the Black Eyed Peas are not a small group; like they are a worldwide group. If you are if you can go out there and make people forget about them, that's tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's tough. That's like factual. imagine a fighter coming along that makes people forget about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're gonna have tough. you're gonna have one person mad when that happens because it's gonna take a long time for the people to to even not know who he is. Even the generations that never heard that never saw him fight. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so it'd be like, whoo, like, like, did y'all forget about this? You'd be like, oh, damn, we did. Like, oh, shit. Like, it's, 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 but that level of, of greatness, man, that, that, that requires a lot, you know, and, and him speaking a, a, about that, taking the chances that he does on his music too. Cause he take he says a lot, a lot of things that I'm sure bring him backlash. Right. And I, I, I don't know how his world works. I haven't reached that level of stardom. You know what I mean? I probably don't even want to. It, it seems like a very crazy world, right? But I'm sure there's a lot of people that hear what he say, that hear what he says, and go, "Hey, man, the hell are you doing?" 
You know what I mean? F- f- the fuck was that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's only uh, there's only there's only two black people I know that can get away with dropping that many m bombs and still be billionaires and be able to cut and write the check, and that's Jay Z and Dr. Dre. That's it. Those are the only two. <laughs> Kanye. Oh. We'll throw him in a bunch too because he's definitely in that in that conversation now. Yes, Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then there's that. You know? I mean, I mean, here's 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 the thing, right? People love to dismiss Kanye, but I'm like, fam. Here's the thing. Let, let, let's not forget. Like, I think Jay Z is just getting to his second billion, right? <laughs> Kanye's at like six. Oh man. And, and like, it, let's 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 just keep it. You know what I'm saying? The, the like, level the level the level of fuck you was insane. <laughs> listen, listen, and and someone who someone like myself who enjoys the phrase that there's nothing, not nothing says fuck you quite like fuck you. Um, <laughs> hit the hit the bell. Hit the bell. One you know time. what I mean? Like nothing nothing really. Nah, nothing really hits it the way. Just kiss. <laughs> That's funny that. as shit. And says, fuck you, Kanye's fuck you. at that level that, bro, no matter what you say about him, all he has to do is look at you and go, bitch, I'm a billionaire six times over. The fuck have you done? And what are you going to say? <laughs> I'm, wearing, I'm wearing billion dollar dust rags while you're talking about them being dust rags. Fuck you mean. <laughs> Like, like, I can do whatever I want, essentially, right? The truth, I, the truth I can do an open say way. whatever I I want, and my status, the things that I have built allow me to take those hits. I can do everything that you can do, and you can't do the shit that I I can do. I win, right? <laughs> Yo, okay, so so that 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 brings me to, to this point. Let's. Let's. I want to build two mixtapes. We do mixtapes on this show, and it could be from from anything from music to artists uh, to uh, to wrestlers to eras to matches. Let's do two mm-hmm. mixtapes real quick. We're gonna do a mixtape uh, like right now. You're building a mixtape of uh, for for your next trip from we'll say from we'll say Cleveland to Chicago. You gotta you gotta okay. you you make you making a mixtape in the car. Give me give me some music that you bumping in the car from uh, from uh, from Cleveland to Chicago. And then while while you are listening to this music, I want you to tell me. And you're not we're not driving a uh, we're not driving a, a car. We're driving a nine seat Yukon. We gonna fill this bad boy up. Who's in the ride with you? Why they listen to this music? Uh, okay, so like so like we said, I, I mean it's it, it's filled with Russ. It's I mean there's so many. Russ songs on my playlist r- right now. He could fill up a whole soundtrack by himself. Okay, you know okay. what I mean. But um, lot, l- lot of Russ, a lot of Jay Z, DMX. Like, like I said, um, there's going to be um, a guy by the name of Ebenezer who's from the UK. Okay, uh, he's absolutely dope. While we're over there, we're gonna hit Jay Huss. And we're gonna hit. Um, I want to say Stormzy. I'm, I'm gonna take while, while we're in the UK. I, I, I fucks with Pete and Bass too. <laughs> I, I I don't know who that is, bro. There's there's, 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 some, there's some geezers. They're like seventy years old, bro, and they've got yeah. bars. Oh. <laughs> oh, are you talking about? Are you talking about the two old white dudes? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Probably not them. Not that that has anything to do with it. But just when I, when I imagine my hip hop, that's just not who I see telling me about life. You know what I'm nah, saying? But but, li- uh, but listening to them, yeah, I fucks with them. Go ahead though. Oh, hey, listen, hey, then that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
but there's a song called First Things First. I believe it's by I I would have I would have a, I would have to check, but it's man, it's and then and like you've got Audacity too. Audacity is one of my fa- favorite songs. It's like uh, who. who <laughs> Who the fuck went and gassed you up to to make you really think that you who could be clashing me? Like who really told you <laughs> that you could stand here with me and do this shit? You know what I mean? Straight like, boxing. Lied to you. <laughs> Straight right. Like who who do you think you are? Right. <laughs> uh, um, and so you've got that. Um, man, it's it's long ass car ride. So what what else do we got in there? You would obviously have to have. Uh, so some Kanye in there. Uh, now, now, which which Kanye though? <laughs> I actually like. No, no, hold on. <laughs> we're we're going no church in the wild, Kanye. Ooh, okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, watch the throne, yay. Watch the throne, yay. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Like, uh, oh, Otis Redding, yay. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like. Um, Call Pete Rock for a gym, yay! Right, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> lot, lot, lot of Nipsey Hustle. Ooh, right on. Rest um, in peace. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, probably if, if if we're just trying to just vibe out and just have one of those trips, that's that that's probably where it's at, right there. That's a hell of a, a that's uh, a hell of a lineup for 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 that because uh, it's yeah. it's it's a boring trip. It's not a short trip. Well, actually, it is a short trip, but right. it's, a, it's a boring trip, so that's a hell of a lineup for that. Now, I'm saying, uh, whether it be current or whether it be from your past or, or whether it be from from you know those who have, who have gone on, your heroes, who's in the whip mm-hmm. with you? You got you got eight seats to fill. You driving, you riding, yeah, and everybody else is riding with you. So, like, who who you got? Who's going shot? Everybody in STP. So that gives us five right there. <laughs> that's five right there. So, <laughs> well, four. You, you add, got four with you. you. Add, you add Keith Lee. Okay. 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 You add Raymond Rowe. And you add Kenny King. Ooh, you got one more. Give give me a legend. Give me yeah, one more. A legend. You add Taker. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, that's out of nowhere yeah. there. Yeah, hell yeah. You kind of got and real this, different this, today. Listen, hold on. And this is why I say that. Like I'm not I the political shit. I, I, I'm not. I'm not caring about that. Like, not that's its own thing, right? Right. But the way his mind works about the sport, the way it works about the business, the way he sees it, I, I believe we we see it in a similar way, right? Okay. So the so to be able to because we're, we're not going to be in this car and not talk wrestling, right? So who else would you want to talk wrestling with? That, I mean, you're talking someone that's seen everything from world class to, to, to the NWA, WCW, and then spent Absolutely. spent the heyday of his career in 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 Stanford in the Supermax, if you will, and 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 at WWE, and he is headquarters. He had to pass the torch, so yeah, no doubt. But and it's hard to believe this. Here we are in 2022, and I remember seeing him with uh, the same person that that managed him to his last days, uh, right. Percival Pringle the third in Texas, uh, with under a mask in like '83, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like, right. like, like, wow, like, and you still had a 25 year career on top, right? 
And this and this is the thing, right? Think about this shit. At some point, there was some dude that looked at him and said, "Ah, yeah, I don't see it, kid." <laughs> then there's that. Uh, <laughs> somewhere, some executive was like, "Eh, nah, not it." <laughs> you're, you're not that guy, buddy. You're not that guy. Uh, hold on, he is that guy. You're just kind of shitty at your job. You know what I mean? So th- oh, that man. that sort of that sort of chip I carry too, right? Because there's a lot of few people that look at me and go, "Ah, yeah, we just don't see it." And I go, "Okay, you cannot see it, but." That, Give me time. That's literally your career, though, uh, Shane. Like, Listen, that's my entire shit. Like, I'm, I'm going to come back. Like, that's one of those stay right here moments, right? Stay right here. Don't don't because move. I get, don't move. Don't move. Don't, don't, don't go nowhere. I want you right here with the same attitude, saying the same shit. Because by the time I come back, I'm going to be that guy. And I want to look at your face when I tell you to fuck off, right? <laughs> I want to look in your eye and tell you to fuck off. To quote Shane right? Taylor, nothing quite says fuck you. Nothing says fuck you quite like fuck you. I'm where, where is that shirt? We need to figure out how to make this happen immediately. If we have to do like, if it's a collab shirt, I'm all the right. way with it. But we have to have that on a shirt that it can be worn in public. Oh, I'm man. saying, bro. Like, it's, it's, it's just reality. Nothing quite. I'm telling you, once, you, <laughs> once, once you're able, able to express that, that exact moment, you all all you feel is Mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. I, I'm going to make That's sure. I'm, thing. I, I, I'm gonna, I want to apologize now. I'm going to go out of my way the next time I see you to give you the most emphatic fuck you and hope right. and, and hope that you stay in character when I do it. Because <laughs> you're going you to know who it's from. <laughs> G. Willikers. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It Here's depends the on the mindset that I'm in because me Uh-oh. now, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remember. Oh, he's referencing what we talked about. Me then, when I turn that on, it's bitch, fuck you, do something. You ain't about to do a goddamn thing, but sit there in that seat that you paid for to come watch me. The fuck you about to do? Like, that's. <laughs> so, I, so, so I guess I guess we got to come up with some kind of code then. Like, I'm gonna, I guess I have to right. throw, throw a fist out there. You know what I'm saying? Something. Because right. <laughs> I'm going to have my fist up in the air. You know, I'm going to have my fist <laughs> right, up right, right. first and foremost. I'm going to have my fist up in the air when I do it. So I'm going to make sure that, that that you understand that there's no right. vitriol right. with this. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, well, it just sounds like you're playing a dangerous game. That's really right. what it sounds like. I'm, I'm just saying, you got you, you you can catch people on the wrong day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, for real. It's a, it's a lot of dice rolling what you're doing. <laughs> Right now. I'm a ma- I just make sure it's not a JTG rematch, then. I- <laughs> right. you know hey, he gonna need all the help we can get. <laughs> so, uh, so look, Shane, we got a got a three piece. These are gonna be quick, quick hitters. Three pieces, dark with the pepper. So no biscuit, no biscuit. What was your aha moment? Meaning, what moment did you know you wanted to be in this sport? It was. When my dad took me to the Richfield Coliseum, uh, I got to see Kerry Von Erich, who was Texas Tornado at the time versus the Warlord. It went to a double count out. By no means uh, was it a five-star match by today's standards, but it went to a no uh, a double count out and the building went absolutely unglued. They started throwing hot dogs, drinks, popcorn, whatever you could think of. <laughs> wow. I looked up at, at my dad 
And he was looking down at me like, don't even fucking do it because I was about to throw my drink too. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm getting into it as a kid. Like, oh shit, we throwing shit? He was like, nah, we ain't throwing shit. Like, so um, That's our money right but, there. You know, bro, that's what I'm saying. So um, so I, I looked at that and was like, yo, these dudes just made people not only pay to see this show, but but throw away shit that they just paid for, right? And made them that mad to do that? Yeah, wh- whatever it is they do, I want to do that because I am I'm combative and antagonistic by nature. Like, wh- whatever you say that you believe in, whatever you you say that that you're about, prove it to me. I want to see it. I don't even have to be invested in the counterpoint, right? I just want to see if you are willing to, to to do what you say you're going to do. How far are you willing to go to show me what you believe in, right? So that that that's just who I am. Like, if if you believe the the grass is green, I could not give a fuck that the grass is green. But I'd be like, okay, then then show me, prove that to me. Well, what do you think? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you prove that to me. Show me. Um, that's just who I am. Um, so yeah. Uh, that 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 was the aha moment that I was like, hey, uh, I definitely want to do this. And then what solidified it was watching Ron Simmons beat Vader and uh, win the yeah. world title. Because then I, I saw myself in Ron. Like, there's a lot of all, other great legendary black performers that we've had. I couldn't relate to a lot of them because a lot of them were sort of caricatures of of, of what we are and and our and our cult and our culture there was just things that i couldn't relate to right right but with ron there, there was none of that it, it was just hey this dude is just busting his ass he's a bad motherfucker and now he's the man period and it was like okay there it is okay so that rolls right over to the next question favorite mm. black wrestler of all time favorite black wrestler of all time shit yeah. <laughs> That's tough. That's feet to the fire action right there, Swab. Uh-huh. Ooh. uh-huh. <laughs> we we get myself. Myself. Oh, okay. Get outside. I know, that, I, know I know I know people are, are gonna hear that and be like, what the fuck? But like, no, there's people. There's people that I I, I I admire. There's people that I put on a pet on a pedestal. There's people that I emulate. There's people that I pattern certain things after. But if you don't believe in you and and, and love yourself at to the utmost, then you can't. That like I, I'm never gonna reach where I want to reach. You see what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, I'm my favorite wrestler, uh, and my job then is to go out and try to put together a, a career that can be comparable to men who have come before me before you yeah. ask the next question Swab, I, you saying that I really hope that in this era that because um, we people are more active right now than any other era in wrestling including the territory era because anybody can pop up with an independent you have people like game changer and northeast that are there that are doing virtual pop-up shows but they're doing an old school promotional format where they're not solidified uh regular dates there's just every two three months whenever they feel the need whenever they book the car whenever they have the talent available they go out there and i just hope that a lot of people like yourself and especially your work doesn't get lost in these in, in the independent scene because there's some great work that's out there 
and mm. that body of work is greater than the stuff we actually see on TV because you get more time to tell the story in the ring versus being confined to like having to look at a certain camera or looking for you know for a break because of a TV timeout or things of that nature. Like there's different elements to an indie show than it is for what you see than what you have going on on TV that helps to mm. tell a better story. And I hope that that stuff doesn't get lost in the body of work that you have when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, and, and I and I, I and I, I definitely understand that. And I think for me, my goal will be to because whether people want to believe it or, or not, the independent scenes are just as political as the TV scene. They like people have their spots. They don't want other people to intrude. They like they have their, you know, what I mean, like like it, it's all the same shit across the board. Um, so my job will be to continue to produce quality at the rate at which I'm used to doing it and that people a, a expect it from me and will do my best uh, to bring people to what I'm doing as opposed to me, uh, as, uh, as opposed to me trying to go find them, right? I'm just gonna continue to help build the scenes that I'm in to bring people into those. And then as word of mouth spreads, you know what I mean? Instead of trying to hop on the next hot thing, I'm just gonna make what I'm doing the hot thing. Right on. I can dig it. I can dig it. So Shane Taylor is Shane Taylor's favorite black wrestler of all time. So give me a give me top three named Shane Taylor. Top three what? Give me your top three black wrestlers of all time, not named Shane Taylor. <laughs> Ron Simmons, The okay. Rock. Okay. And Booker T. See, right off top. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's that, that's. And here and here's the thing, right? And here's what I want. I I have. I and and I, I'm gonna ask this from our from our culture. We need to stop trying to qualify who is and who isn't black enough. Man, there are too many people. Right. who already don't want to see us succeed. There are too many people who are actively trying to make sure we don't succeed. There are too many people too ignorant to actually let us be ourselves in a lot of these areas or even let us get a voice in the room. We cannot be tripping up ourselves over bullshit. Because... That makes perfect sense. If 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 the rock goes out there and wins, we all win. Not not it's not like only half of us win. We all win. Right? The, the world the world sees him the way they see him. He is what he is. Right? That's what it is. Um so we 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 can't keep trying to qualify and that and that goes with not only just race but any but any for religion, for sexual preferences, for for identification, for whatever else you want, like black people are black people. The 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 sooner we un we understand that, and we can figure out, like, hey, we're not excluding sections of ourselves, and we can bring everybody under one uh, umbrella. That's the start of understanding the power that we have collectively, right? And then we can sit here and talk about talk all day about what that could mean, right? But that's right. a whole other conversation here, here here here's what i hate to uh and I've, I've talked to suave about this too and even talking to just regular passers by casual fans not and this is this has nothing to do with wrestling you mentioned the right. rock not being black enough 
What people don't right. realize is he's he's the owner or uh, one of the people in a control in a uh, in a controlling interest group and the figurehead of, of said group to own a football league. But for right. some, but for some odd reason, he's not black enough, or it's it's because it's the Rock, or because it's the XFL. When we say, well, we there's not enough black coaches in the NFL. Cool. You have all this nonsense going on in the NFL right now. You have somewhere else to go. You don't you don't want to deal with the with the kneeling and what's going on with people kneeling. You have somewhere else to go, but it's not good enough for you because it's a it's not the NFL. But or it's owned by the rock like get off that shit like just like you said it's there for you it's, it depends on it the, the general here's public the deals the phenomenon right and, and and here's the thing right people need to understand we 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 don't live in the world that we envision the world to be we live in the world in which it actually is we live in reality right and in reality, nobody is going to change the rules of a game that they are winning. They're not. <laughs> it makes no sense, right? The NFL, and, I, and I'm guilty of it too, right? Everybody is watching these playoffs. Everybody is putting money into this shit. Everybody's doing it, right? So you can sit here and be like, hey, we'll, we'll change this. And they can be like, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because we're still making money. You're like, you haven't shown us that you're willing to leave this to make this happen, right? So if you're not willing to, to do it, why should we? We're the ones in control, right? So if there's not enough black coaches in the NFL, right, which there aren't, which I, 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 I listened to Darius Butler on the Pat McAfee show talk about it today. Essentially, he kind of said the same thing. Like, it's it's... I, I'm sure that there there will be some a few hires after this lawsuit thing gets settled, right? Just to kind of hush hush things, but then it'll go back to the same way way it was. Truth be this told, this conversation. I'm, it, I'm, I'm this sorry, conversation, you. Truth, uh, truth be yes. told, I really thought that Jacksonville was about to put Leftwich in position just to shut them the fuck up in Miami, but it, that didn't happen, as we see. I, I I don't even know what's going on with, with that. I just saw a headline. I was like, let me not even let me go look at that before I even say anything. Right. <laughs> let, me, let, let me go do my research before I say anything. Right, right on. Right on. Uh, so you now then it, it, and it's sort of the same thing when, when it comes to when people talk about athletes. Right. Imagine what would happen if every five star recruit, every big time recruit in college ball went to go play for HBCUs <laughs> instead of the instead of the power conferences. Facts. We're we're just just we're, we're waiting the, for the hundred the hundreds of millions of dollars that would leave college, that would leave the NCAA mind boggling. The cash right? infusion that happened in Jackson just from Deion Sanders joining up over there. Like I'm saying. <laughs> now imagine that at Grambling. Imagine that at, you know what I mean? Like at, at all these other places, right? So um so for for that, my my thing would, 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 would my thing would be there should be coaches right now talking to the rock, and I'm sure there are, but like, hey, if we're gonna have a, a, essentially a black owned league why why would we not have black GMs, black head coaches, black you know what I mean? And and really sort of build something that can be a viable option 
instead of the NFL for our kids. Like, good enough to build the franchise, but not good enough to run the franchi- franchise. Like, there's been the story which, of our... Which, uh, which, which, which sounds like what? Slavery. <laughs> first <laughs> first no, degree. I'm, I'm just... I'm listen, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people that, like, and people are, are going to go, oh, how can you? They're, they're still millionaires and this, this, this. Eh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm a thousand there telling you this. So that... <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, bro, like... It's it's like man, and when you listen, and when you compare it, and when you look at the draft process, especially the way they like, like when they strip <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. down and they're looking at teeth and and muscle mass and all this, like, I go, that's, oh that's, man, <laughs> very similar to auction type behavior. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying they it don't, is. They don't want to talk about that, Shane. <laughs> they don't. I'm they don't want to talk saying, about what's real. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I I could see how someone could draw the conclusion. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying. I'm not right. saying that's what it is. I'm just saying I understand if you do think that's what I, it I'm is. I'm just saying I understand. I understand how they can see that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying I I I can see that perspective. Indeed. We <laughs> all the way outside, Suave. <laughs> I'm telling you, we off the top row with more blackness than you ever had straight into your chest cavity. Unprotected. Right. <laughs> oh, speaking of unprotected, right. goddamn cha- shame you can throw a chair. <laughs> hey, swing that bitch. Oh man, who swing bada bada. <laughs> Get your hands up and keep them up. All right. <laughs> Here's 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 a good one. Shane Taylor's in the main event. Yeah. His opponent is any one of his choosing, past, present, or future. Yeah. Who is the opponent, and where does the match take place? And also, what kind of match is it? Hmm. Okay, I, I I have two answers for that. All right. For me personally. Right, it would be, Ray, Ray, it, it would be Raymond Rowe, uh, Eric of Viking Raider fame for people who know him by that. Uh, my my trainer, best friend, godfather to my kids. Uh, it it would be him, probably main event of Tokyo Dome for the IWGP Ooh, world, world, world title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. Now, I want the good end. Egg Come dome on, action. <laughs> now, now, if you're asking, now that's that's just me personally. Now, right. if I'm sitting here and I'm building a a uh, yeah, do this one for the check. This is promoter okay. Shane Taylor here. <laughs> this is promoter Shane Taylor. Yes, sir. Yeah, My, yeah. Myself. Prime time, prime Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, for the WWE title, Madison Square Garden. Um, and essentially you get, and if, if people are like, and if you look at the two of us, right, we are essentially both middle-class bread, fuck the system, fuck the man. I'm going to go out here and do this shit my, my own way throw as many punches as possible motherfuckers right we are both at just two different ends of the spectrum and so you have what then is the two of the best fighters two of the baddest motherfuckers standing there but for the top prize in the game asking each other and proving to each other just who the baddest really is Man. I can dig it. <laughs> I like it. Outstanding. 
Man, uh, so if we if we in, if we in the garden, are we on pay per view or we just we like mega house show action? Oh, we're pay per view. We're talking promoter Shane which, Taylor. What the fuck you mean, Swab? That's, that's not even a question. It was that's called a lead in question. Let me throw my oop off the glass. <laughs> Slam it on the head. So which which pay per view are we rocking for Madison Square Garden? Oh, 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 this is uh, this is mania. Now, if we want the biggest like like Madison Square Garden is not going to hold the biggest gate for mania right but if we're talking prestige and and we're and we're doing that then that's that's one that's one one thing if that's the case then if we moved it say like mania was moved to like wembley stadium or something like that you know what i mean and you're talking yeah you know five hundred thousand seats or whatever the fuck you know what i mean like (laughs) massive massive shit now i totally get the msg pick that's that's a that's a legacy move Exactly. Because, I mean, in in, in buildings like like that, you hear about great performers in any plot, whether it's the NBA, whatever it is, like great performers always perform well in that building. It adds to the legacy and the mystique of the the venue and something like that. It it would only feel like something special is going to happen. This is going to be something special because it's these two people for this title in this building out on this stage man it can't get any better than that man um you got some uh you got you got some time booked up here coming up for you know this is a certain this is a certain season that we're in and there's a certain Mm -hmm. pay-per-view that we just talked about that's happening in a certain city Mm -hmm. and uh you hold a belt for the organization within that area for said certain city so i know you're going to be active and you also just happen to be in the final class of the of the old roh as they go through this uh reorganization and the relaunch is also in said certain city run down what you have so far lined up for wrestlemania weekend in the dallas fort worth metroplex I can't let that be known yet because wow. there's a lot of things that haven't been announced yet. So okay, I, I I will absolutely be there for for VIP for the DFW All Pro Show. Uh, I will be at for the culture in some capacity, um, and, and there's some other things that I will definitely be at. Uh, I as of right now, one of those things is not ROH. So wow, okay, um, yeah. So that 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 hasn't been a thing yet. Who knows what happens? Uh, I know they're talking about the unification thing with Jonathan and, and Bandito. That's cool. Uh, the way I see it, and the way I've I've, I've said it be, before, they can battle over whatever titles that they have. I'm still the uncrowned king of Ring of Honor, as far as I'm concerned, because the, the Ring of Honor World Champion should should have always been represented by the baddest dude in the company, not necessarily who was, you know, the COO's favorite people. You know what I mean? So, um, hey, you, you're a bad boy, Shane. You're a bad that, motherfucker, that's, man. That's, that's, that's what I mean. Like for like now, like I, I, I kind of feel like whoever wins is essentially Joe Frazier when Ali got suspended. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, okay. <laughs> You you've got the belt, but you ain't the man. Yeah, like, you know. like, like, like you're you're good. You you are. Right. You're, you're you're good. 
You know what I mean? But you're, you're not. You're but you're not Hove. <laughs> you're everything they said you were, but you're not me. But you're not. You know ho- I mean? You're not Hove. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And hey, speaking uh, of Jay Z, one of my favorite so, lines is always, "I heard a motherfucker saying they made Hove. Made Hove say, okay, so make another Hove.'" <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Do do it again. Oh, you can't. All right then. Right. Like, <laughs> clearly, it wasn't you. Right. Oh man. So. It is what it is. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, you know what I mean? whenever you, whenever you, everything is is solidified and ironed out, I, I I implore you. The door is open. You are more than welcome to come back whenever you do. You just you just murdered an hour and ten minutes with us, man. So we appreciate you. Uh, plug Absolutely. anything you got. You have to plug, man, so we, so we can get up out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your evening. At Shane Two One Six Taylor on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, I got it back. Uh, all the links, if you're in the merch buying mood, all the links to that are in the are in the bios and in, in, in the in, in the in the profiles of those platforms. Got everything from hats, jackets, uh, all the way down to baby onesies. If, if you need it, if, if you want your baby to start off on the right path, the path of following the baddest. You know what I mean? Uh, go ahead and get you some of those. Uh, but yeah, man, just shouts out to everybody, man, who who's who's supported me and stp my crazy 14 year journey in this sport so far um we are we when when we say we're for the people and we're for the culture we we mean it man like and that's that's what we love so much is the fact that so many people rock with us and we get to be that we we get to be that counterculture right because there's a lot of people who get ahead by keeping their head down and just not being and not saying anything just being good little boys and girls and we just don't subscribe to that man like if 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 you bow your head then your crown's gonna fall off and that's just not what we're here to do you know what i'm saying so um yeah so just thank you guys for rocking thank you guys for rocking with us for supporting us and uh, it is going to be a very fun season here very, very shortly. Yes, indeed it is, man. We're, we're here for it all. Uh, we can't say thank you enough. We appreciate you. Uh, we, we, we appreciate your work and your contrib- contributions to the business. Keep uh, keep keep shining, man. Just keep shining. We'll be there right there with you with our fist up in the air sh- uh, shouting out the STP. Yes, sir. Thank you, boys. All right, man. Swap, take us to the house. Pencil pushes. Heads up. Pencils down. And since we outside, you got to understand it's a whole lot of fucking gang shit.